In the 1976 episode, part one, the Pies find themselves in unfamiliar territory, made even worse by the infighting between their coach and president. Big Carl heads back home after a few years at the Demons. There's a change at Tigerland with a new captain and Tommy Hafey under more pressure. There's heartbreak at Melbourne and the Night Series is back, well, sort of, in a way. All this and more coming up after our song. It's the history of football we knows about And we want to expand what we know We'll become such intelligent gentry With every kick-to-kick show Beginning in the time 1870s Right through to the modern day Tune in for Timmy Coops and the Kazmaz To hear what they all have to say Welcome to the Kick to Kick podcast, the Australian Rules Football History podcast that takes a deep dive into the history of the league. Uh, we got no real qualifications for this show other than a thirst for knowledge, a desire to relive better times. My name is Tim, this is Charlie over here. Hello, hello. Um, and welcome back. We are talking about 1976, part one. Yes. Um, apologies for the break we've had. It's been very busy. We've, you've moved house. I've had jury duty. It's just it's, it's been, one It's been a wild time. Other. It has. Yeah. And also I've... I've been uh, wallowing in my sorrows of D's losses these last couple of weeks. Of course you have. Um, hello, listeners in... Uh, let me give you some of these places, Charlie. Uh, Austria, Ooh. Israel, Poland, Ireland. Um, hello, the 42 people from unknown regions. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, then the US states of Connecticut and Florida. We've had a few listens. Illinois, North Carolina. Uh, and people in Ontario, Ontario, Ontario as well. Ontario, beautiful. So hello to all those people. Thank you for listening. Um, we're up to episode about 111, I think, Charlie. Nice. Going strong. Jeez, we're doing well. I know. 111st. Well, yeah, we're over the halfway mark of the 70s as well. Huge. All right, Charlie, let's get to some history oh, yes. quickly. Um, song of the year. See if you can work this out. So I chose Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, classic. It was written in 75, though. Yeah, okay. It peaked in Australia in 76. It was number one for two weeks in the middle of the year. So I think you can claim that. We pay that? Yeah, 100%. Um, also, shout out... It was a slow burner. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Still going. Yeah. Um, Fernando by ABBA as well. Number one. It, it took the spot of Bohemian Rhapsody. Number one for 14 weeks. What? Two absolute bangers running into <laughs> each other. That's so good. I love it. All right, well, let's hear some history. Okay, and 76 was another great year to me. So, 1976, another great year, Timmy. Um, so, we'll start with, uh, on the 11th of January, the Philadelphia Flyers uh, slash Red Army game played out. It was a 4-1 victory for the Philly Flyers over uh, HCCSKA Moscow of the Soviet Union. Why are they playing them? Well, it's like a... It's like a across the Iron Curtain sort of game. Mm, yeah, okay. interesting. interesting. Uh, on the 18th of January, we had Super Bowl X, the Pittsburgh Steelers defeating the Dallas Cowboys 21-17 to in Miami. On the 4th of Feb, we had the Winter Olympics in uh, starting in Innsbruck in Austria. Been there. Oh, good. No. <laughs> on the 9th of Feb, we had the Australian Defence Force formed uh, by the unification of the three branches. Going in 76. Yeah. Just, that sounds a bit right. Doesn't it? Yeah. Well, obviously, the Army, the Navy, and the Air Force were already there, but yeah, they weren't connected. Yeah. yeah. 
On the 11th of April, Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak created the first and released the first Apple computer, the Apple One. On the 21st of April, we had the Great Bookie robbery in Melbourne. Heard of it? Probably. Yeah. Uh, Bandit stole $1.4 million in settlements from Queen Street in yes. Melbourne. Yeah. On the 16th of May, the Montreal Canadiens swept the Philly Flyers in four games to win the Stanley Cup. Uh, Flyers forward Reggie Leach became the only non-goaltender from a finals losing team to win the Conn Smythe Trophy as MVP of the playoffs after scoring 19 goals in the in 16 playoff games. Wow. So it's it's like a Norm Smith to the loser sort of yeah, Buckley. Yeah. That doesn't happen often though, does no, it? No, Rioli in 82. Bucks in... Gary uh, Ablett in 89. But the last time was Bucks in 02, yeah. right? 02? Um... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Um, so that's interesting. So the Canadians beat the Flyers, who beat the Mo- Moscow. Yeah. Uh, in on the fourth of June, the Celtics defeated the Suns in 108, 128 to one hundred twenty six in triple overtime in Game Five of the NBA Finals yeah. at Boston Garden. Yeah. Uh, so a bit of a shame the Celtics didn't have that going for them this year. I know, and Phoenix being my team, that's so. Yeah. Oh, you remember, you've heard of this one? <laughs> well, yeah, of course, because in the 92-93 series where we played the Bulls, we also had a triple overtime game in the finals. Oh, to lose also. Uh, I think we won that one. So apparently we in, won the series, in 97, the this game was selected by a panel of experts as the greatest of the NBA's game of the NBA's first 50 years. Okay, yeah. Yeah, Interesting. Uh, and on the 17th of June, just after this and after the season, the NBA and the ABA agreed on the merger. They came together. Uh, on the 1st of August, we had the defending Formula One world champion Nicky Lauda suffering serious burns in the German Grand Prix at the Nürburgring. Uh, yeah, it was at Nürburgring. Yeah, after a huge accident that nearly cost him his life. So, if anyone's seen Rush, yeah, this is exactly what, what happened here. And then, following on from that, on the 24th of October, James Hunt won the Formula One World Championship by a single point as his rival retired from the Japanese Grand Prix due to heavy rain. Because because that's what got him in trouble in, in Germany. Yeah. Or one of the reasons. On the 29th of November, we had the New York Yankees signing free agent Reggie Jackson to a five-year, $3 million contract in 1976, setting the precedent for the lucrative multi-year contracts for Major League Baseball players in the years to come. So now we're talking, you know, these five, five-year, $150 million, or no, one deal was signed, I can't remember what it was, it was over a billion dollars or something oh, really? just recently, yeah. Uh, so there we go. Also, we got Vanderhum winning the Melbourne Cup, and Ballyhoo taking line honours, and Piccolo winning on handicap in the Sydney Okay. Would you like to hear about some uh, Australians who were born in 1976? Yep, please. Just a short list. We had Nigel Lappin on the 21st of June, Mark Webber on the 27th of August, Mark Philippoussis on the 7th of Poo. November. The Scud, yeah. the Pooh, and Binger Brett Lee on the 8th of November for you. So there you go. Fantastic. Um, all right, some league news first. Yes, tell me. Because it's football season, and that's the reason it's the time of the year that we love. So just a few little tidbits here, Charlie. Um, the VFL introduced two field umpires per match. Yes, yeah, we talked about this last year, didn't we? This yeah, is, I think... It, that was the final... 
think, I think it stemmed after that Bombers fight where all this stuff happened and they, yeah. they didn't see everything and missed stuff, so they wanted mm-hmm. eyes everywhere. Yep. And so, yeah, last, we talked about that last year, the last grand final with a single umpire. Umpire, yeah. yeah. Um, which now means that the umpires are rewarding, both umpires are rewarding 3 2 1 votes. So there's this weird phenomenon for where for two years the Brownlow medalists have these massive scores. Oh, really? Yeah. That's cool. Hmm. Um, That's cool. Yeah, so like, yeah, okay, so they're just, uh, yeah, just outliers in yep. the system with like 64 votes yep. and stuff. I yep. love it. That's great. Um, the VFL administrators declare that Waverley is 100% finished after 10 years of work. Is it though? Well, I mean, it's not the 150,000 people I think they thought there was going to be originally. Oh, yeah. But, I mean... It's still there. They own it. They're making money off it. They're doing things. They're making it work. Um, the, the state government of Victoria banned the VFL from playing games on Sunday. Banned them yeah. from playing games on Sundays? Yeah, but they wow. allow the VFA. I'm not sure if that's this year, but the VFA do play games on Sunday. So this is an interesting little quirk we have at the moment, which the VFL will find their way to work around. I'm sure they will. They yeah. always do. They always do. <laughs> um, and Footscray News, I suppose, um, $187,500 is raised for Neil Saxe after the public appeal after he became a paraplegic oh, yeah. early last season. Oh, so nice. That's still yeah, happening. Good. That's still ticking along. Um, but Charlie, let's work our way up the ladder. Let's do and it. let's really enjoy this first team. I am going to absolutely save this moment. Timothy, in 12th place, we have Collingwood. Oh, when was the last time that happened? Never. It's the first time ever. It is, isn't it? Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Oh, that's... So let's enjoy it because Collingwood have this ridiculous ability to bounce back whenever they have a poor season. Suddenly they're in contention again and we're seeing it this year in 2022. Yeah, you're absolutely they right. They finished 17th last year and they're, they're probably finals bound again. They have this ridiculous ability and we'll see this as we get to 77. Yeah, yeah. They, they just, they bounce back. They do. We've just got to enjoy the times that they're dead. <laughs> <laughs> enjoy it while we can. Yes, yeah, so... I mean, six wins and 16 losses. It's not actually a terrible wooden spoon. Well, it's funny you say that because that's the most ever wins by a, a wooden, wooden spoon. spoon. Yeah. Is, even, I mean, in, a, in that time yep. when we in, only had that many games? Yep. Or? yep, I believe. Yeah, wow. Yeah, so, oh, actually, it's been 22 yeah. for a while, yeah. So, yeah, it's pretty, pretty solid. And 86.4%. I feel like most years that would leave you sort of 10th or 9th, as mm. we said. Um, yeah, so six wins, 16 losses, and 86.4%. Uh, coached by Murray Wiedemann in his final year as coach, unsurprisingly. Yeah. And uh, captained by Des Tuddenham. The returning Des Tuddenham, yes. Yes. Um, all right, so pre-season coach Murray Wiedemann and star player Phil Carmen were ready to walk out in the club because of their issue with the President Clark. Um, they were talked into returning. Tuddenham, as you said, also returned, although that was controversial because Wiedemann didn't want him. He was opposed to the idea, thinking Clark was going to bring him in to replace him as coach, remembering oh. Tuddenham had been coach of Essendon. Yes. Yeah. But then he'd stood down as coach of Essendon, right? No, he got sacked. Ah. Yeah, too many fights. Uh, but Tuddy was back. He's on a $20,000 a year contract, which is more money than he usually got. Uh, he also replaced existing captain Wayne Richardson as club leader, which disgruntled many. So we've got some debutantes. We've got Lex Pritchard, Graham Movey, and Russell Jessup making their debuts. Um, but let's get stuck into Collingwood's 76th season. So round one was a shellacking by Carlton at Princes Park, and then South touched them up at Victoria Park by 11 points. Um, so Wiedemann was again hauled before the committee to explain these losses. Yeah, of The Richardson brothers, Max and Wayne, were both dumped to the reserves on the recommendation from the board. 
Ex-captain. Dumped. Yeah, wow. Uh, Following this, um, the Pies lost to the Hawks by 88 points. And Wayne Richardson on the Sunday after absolutely unloaded on the club in the newspaper. As a result, he was suspended by the club for four matches while his brother Max refused to play in the reserves. Yeah, well, okay, so, so there's a lot of bad blood yep. going on. The row between Wiedemann and Clark got to a point where Wiedemann said it was either him or me, but in the end, after long negotiations and the, the thought of, you know, you've got to do it for the club, not for Clark, they both stayed on, with Clark promising to stop meddling in the day-to-day routine of the players. Amidst all this, it wasn't until round four that the Pies got their first win, which was a 15-point win over the Tigers at Victoria Park. Uh, Max Richardson was back into the side at this stage and best on ground. Two more losses followed this. But they showed glimpses, and as you said, like they weren't that bad. Yeah, uh, they beat the reigning premiers North Melbourne by twenty nine at Waverley. Uh, Max Richardson and Ray Shaw best on ground. They're following this. They beat the Lions, but with pressure mounting from all sides of the club, uh, Clark finally resigned the presidency on May twenty third, citing business pressures. Like he's got outside business he has to focus on. Oh, <laughs> really? Um, so John Hickey took over as the new president. In round nine, the Dogs got a 10-point win over the Pies at Waverley, but the talking point was the poor play of Des Tudnam, who only had five disposals and was dragged at three-quarter time, the papers saying that uh, age was finally catching up to him. In round 11, the Pies turned up for the traditional Queen's birthday clash, which we've just had here in 2022. Playing a brilliant first quarter, they led at the first half, but Melbourne then wiped out a 27-point margin with 12 minutes on the third quarter, within 12 minutes of the first, third quarter beginning. After having had a dirty day across the first three quarters, Desi Tudnam, their captain, finally got his side going with some blistering form. The Pies went 17 minutes without a score, but it was ironically Biffin who missed two early shots to put the Ds in front. Um, with time almost gone, Ray... Sorry, with time almost gone, Graham Osborne lined up for a shot to put the Ds in front. He kicked it out of bounds on the full, and the Pies ran the clock down to win by two points. Oh. Out on the full as well. Yeah, I'm sorry. I know you don't want to hear about Collingwood being beaten, uh, beating Melbourne ah. again. I know it's just happened. Oh, it hurts. It hurts. Anyway, what can you do? Um, then a week later, they put in a blazing first quarter effort against the Blues, leading by 27. Leading, sorry, leading 25 to two. But across the remaining three quarters, the Blues tried to come back into the game, but a strong magpie defence held them off. The Pies winning by 26, Phil Carmen with five goals. Following this, though, was a very un-Collingwood-like eight losses in a row, which saw them sink to the bottom of the ladder. Round 21 was their sixth and final win of the season. The Pies are counting for the Bombers easily with 11 goals to three second half. Carmen was six, done with four. And so with a final round loss to Melbourne... Collingwood, Collingwood won its maiden wooden spoon after 79 years. So the D's, the D's made sure that Collingwood got a spoon. Um, post-season, it was no one's surprise that Murray Wiedemann departed the club. Yeah. And they looked at ways to rejuvenate. But yeah, I just think like, even we talked about, it, was it last year as well? Like hauling the coach in front of the committee, um, the committee to find out what was going on. Like it's not a great sign for anything no it's not really how things should be done no i mean they get hauled in front of the media enough the committee doesn't need to be doing it too well maybe they didn't back then but yeah maybe it's a different thing right so yeah interesting uh so that very mediocre year gave us a lead goal kicker of phil carmen with 38 goals and the copeland trophy in 1976 went to robert hyde cool Yeah. yeah 
Alright, moving up one moving spot. Moving up one spot, we've got the Roys. Uh, Fitzroy with seven wins and 15 losses. So that win in round 21 really made... That was a real battle for the Spoon, yeah. wasn't it? Um, captained by John Murphy and coached by Kevin Rose. Alright, um, let's talk about debutants quickly. We've got Bob Beecroft, Brian Brown, Max George and from WA, Ron Alexander. Yes, it is. did. Yeah. Great. Um, all right, the Lions had to wait until round seven for their first win of the year, which was at Lakeside Oval against the Swans, where the Lions held a one-point win over the Swans. But should have won by much more. They finished the day with 11 goals, 22 behinds. Chris Smith, the biggest culprit, was seven behinds and one out in full. Fitzroy played its best football of the season in round 11 against Essendon to turn a 28-point halftime deficit into a 10-point win. The Bombers put on a devastating burst of nine straight goals to end the first half, but in the second, second half that is, the Lions, led by Ruckman Ron Alexander, winger Wayne Linto and O'Keefe and George, with five goals, six, took the game away from the Bombers. Round 12... The Lions then won another, so two in a row. The Lions set up their win against the Tigers in the first half with both Chris Smith and Max George kicking goals each en route to a 33-point win. They made it three in a row. Ron Alexander the next week was again the driving force for the Lions, helping them to win their third straight, this time against St Kilda at Moorabbin, which was their first win there since 1969. It was a nine-goal burst in the second, which won the game for them, eventually running out 19-point winners. And you'll never guess, Charlie, but they made it four in a row. Round 14... Fitzroy put in another devastating last quarter to put the Cats away. They trailed them by 40 points at one stage in the third quarter and by 28 at three-quarter time. But then the Lions kicked 10 goals six in the final quarter to win by 23 points. Nice. Ron Alexander was the star again for the Lions. John Murphy with five goals. Uh, Around 19, the Pies started well against the Lions at Junction Oval. And however, some undisciplined play in the second gifted the Lions two goals. And from there, the Lions didn't really look back. The hero was returning star John Murphy wearing a back brace. He was dominant. Bob Beercroft with five goals won. And this loss almost pretty much consigned the Pies to their first wooden spoon. Fitzroy beat the Bombers in the final round by 32 points. The age describing Essendon's effort as playing with all the spirit and coordination of a team of lame and tired dromedaries. (laughs) Gary Wilson and Ron Alexander teamed well and four different players kicked three goals each. Beercroft, Chapman, Murphy and Wilson... Um, Len Wigraft finished at the club after 60 years uh, Starting at the Lions in 1917 Ern Joseph was awarded an OBE And Doug Nichols, Sir Doug Nichols Was made a patron of the Fitzroy Football Club this year as well Wow, there you go It's a lot happening down there for a club that's in a bit of disarray It has been for a long time Yes Yes, so uh, For Fitzroy Our lead goal kicker Was John Murphy, the captain, with uh, 35 goals. And the Mitchell medal for Fitzroy in 76. Ron Alexander? Sorry, no, went to uh, Gary Wilson Ah, for the second time. Yep. Yeah, so that's taking us up the ladder to 10th spot where we have Essendon sitting with nine wins, 13 losses and 88.2%. Coached by Bill Stephen, captained by Graham Moss, taking over from Tuddy. Yep. Some debutants include Jack Majacek, father of Collingwood's Brody Majacek, which really annoys me because I wish he was playing for us and then we need a good forward. Uh, we've got Dennis Scanlon, who's from North Hobart. His transfer fee was the highest in VFL history to that point. Really? And Jeff Bletham is back from WA. Great. The Bombers also got their first official sponsor, Don Smallgoods. Is Don is good. Don is good. Um, so Bill Stevens, obviously, ex-Fitzroy, he had been assistant at North Melbourne. 
Uh, and Barry Davis is also back, so he's in retirement now, but he's back as a specialist coach. Nice. Uh, round one, the Don started hot with seven players kicking nine goals between them in the first 26 minutes of the game. They led by 46 at quarter time. But the Dogs came back. Bit by bit, they got within one point, but the Bombers were able to hold on to a one-point win. Following that was a five-game losing streak, during which, following the round six loss to the Tigers, Captain Graham Moss told his teammates they were letting the team down by treating football like a game. <laughs> it's life and death. Don't they know it? Round seven, Essendon went to Moorabbin to take on the Saints, and the Bombers' usual full forward, Alan Noonan, was playing on George Young, St Kilda's full forward. They held him to three goals, four, while the rest of the team played with fierce tackling determination to win by 23 points. A week later, in slippery conditions at Windy Hill, Essendon overran a tired Geelong outfit by 10 points. The last quarter was relentless, but the Bombers kicked three straight to get the win. Brian Walsh finishing with four, Blethen and close with three each. In round 10, they welcomed the Pies to Windy Hill and approached the game with some interesting positional tactics. Their forwards were well beaten but the Pies by the Pies' defence, but the Dons were able to keep the ball in their forward line and the Rovers were the ones who actually kicked most of the goals. Hey. The Bombers won by nine. In round 12, they had an unconvincing win over the Dogs, with Graham Moss and Robin Close the only real standouts. Um, should have been more. The Bombers had 10 more scoring shots than the Dogs. Against the Swans at Windy Hill, um, it was Jeff Bleffin returning for a few weeks in the reserves who started, kick-started things for the Dons with four first-quarter goals. Moss was the other player who dominated and led the side to a 15-point win, but the biggest story was an all-in brawl described as thus. Ah, yes. The trouble started with an everyday sort of melee near South Melbourne's forward pocket. Ron Andrews finished up almost against the fence on the ground. He was holding his head and trainers appeared to be attending to his eye. The ball went upfield and Andrews and Gull moved towards South centre-half forward position. A punch was thrown when the ball was a good 40 metres away. Moments later, a pack of about eight or ten players were scuffling for the ball on the outer wing, just under the WR Crichton grandstand. Punches were thrown... Players ran in from all over the ground and the brawl was on. One player ran 30 metres, took a flying leap and landed on another's back, then drove him into the ground. Another player grinding his knee into opponent's throat while others traded, traded blows toe-to-toe. -to -toe. The brawl was practically over when another incident developed near centre-half forward where Gull and Andrews were standing. Gull left the ground at half-time with a blood-covered left hand and reappeared for the third term with the same hand heavily bandaged. <laughs> So, yeah, another Essendon all-in brawl. It seems to be a... Uh, Third year in a row. It just seems to be a standard, doesn't it? Very interesting. I love this. 30 metres flying leap and driving someone into the ground. Yeah, it's not great, is it? It can't be a great look. No. So, that was round 14. Um, surprisingly, only three players were suspended. Neville Fields for striking Norm Goss. Norm Goss for striking Neville Fields. And Stuart Gull for striking Ron Andrews. So okay. Fields got four weeks, Goss and Gull two each. Interesting. Yeah. Because it sounds like um, Gull and Andrews were in the middle of everything. They've only got two umpires. They can't see everything, Charlie. Yeah. No, fair <laughs> enough. That's why we need four. Yeah. <laughs> Round 15 against the Ds at the MCG. The Bombers kicked their highest home and away score against the Ds since 1944, which is only 18 goals, 11, 119. But, okay. I mean, the Ds have been very good since then. Uh, they were challenged at halftime. Uh, Coach Bill Stevens made a number of positional moves that gave the Bombers the edge. They were also boosted by Graham Moss kicking three goals in the first nine minutes of the third to run out 15-point winners. 
In round 16, the Dons took on the Hawks at Princes Park, and it was a real arm wrestle with the lead changing constantly over the first three quarters. But the Dons then put on a spurt of goals to see them take a 28-point lead at the last break. Moss was again the big reason for this, Dons by 16. In round 19, they travelled to Cardinia Park to take on the Cats, and Graham Moss started the game on fire. Cats coach uh, Olsen had to send a message to his players to ensure they kept the ball away from him. He was doing that much damage. The Cats got on top in the first half and led by 21 at halftime, but the Bombers regrouped, managed to take the game away from the Cats, winning by a goal and making coach Bill Stevens a very proud man. It was actually the Cats' first loss at home all season. Um, But that win there would be the Bombers' last one for the season, finishing with three straight losses. Um, During the year also, the RS Reynolds grandstand renovations were completed at a cost of $331,000. The top of the stand had been renewed and extended. Nice, and they put a little crown on there for him, did they? For the king? Yeah. Beautiful. Uh, So the lead goal kicker at Essendon in 76 was Jeff Blevin with 39, making a strong comeback to the club. And the Crichton medal... In 76. Graham Moss, surely. Uh, Absolutely, for the third time. 30 in a row. Yeah. Graham Moss there. Huge. Yeah, had to be, didn't it? Yeah. Uh, So there we go. So moving up the ladder um, to St St Kilda. Again, with nine wins and 13 losses. Just a slightly healthier percentage of 90.1. Coached by Alan Jeans, captained by Carl Dickley. Yeah. So, just before we get to that, Mark Green is a debutant. Rex Hunt has moved from Geelong, so I believe he moved to Cheltenham and his police work had brought him back to Melbourne, so he sought a clearance and was given one. Yep. But yeah, Carl Diderich, who was contracted at Melbourne um, to the end of 18, 1978, but this, the Saints were desperate to lure him back, and I think Melbourne wanted to offload his contract. That big contract, yeah. yeah. And recognising Melbourne needed to reduce their payroll, the Saints exchanged two players, so Shane Grambo and Premiership player Alan Davis... Mm-hmm. They traded them and a bit of cash to get Diderich back. So he re- rejoins and killed it as captain, replacing Barry Lawrence. And immediately stated, one of the first things he said was, look, I've got to turn the other cheek. I've got, got to stop getting into so much trouble. I can't get, get getting into fights and getting suspended. Good. Yeah. I mean, he knows that, but will it happen? Will it happen, exactly. Um, they lost their first game. Round two, though, was a tight game against the Lions with the Saints trailing by two points late. It was Georgie Young who took a brilliant mark and booted his eighth goal of the match to snatch a four-point win. Then in round, in round three, in the Saints' win over Geelong, Trevor Barker was huge in defence, while Cowboy Neal kicked five goals to lead the Saints to a 20-point win. Uh, round five, they set up an easy win over a distracted Collingwood with 7-3 in the opening quarter. They led it every change to win by 31. Georgie Young with six goals, five there. In round eight, they took on the unbeaten Carlton, who was sitting on top of the ladder. But St Kilda were far too strong and caused the upset of the season to this stage. Uh, it was the first ever time they played the Blues at Waverley, and they led them all day uh, in both the race for the ball and on the scoreboard. They kicked only their eighth century ever against Carlton in this game. They were helped up forward by the accurate George Young, who finished with 7-4 from 14 kicks, which under wet conditions was a superb performance. In round nine, the Saints were dealt a very... Big blow in their loss to the Demons with gun forward George Young breaking his wrist courtesy of Demons' Laurie Fowler. Round 11, at three-quarter time in the Saints-Richmond game, Alan Jean sent Captain Ditterich to go and just have a chat with the umpires <laughs> about some downfield frees that had been paid. Regardless of the discussion, the Saints kicked nine goals three in the last quarter to overcome a 13-point deficit um, and had the, the media again labelling the Tigers' era of dominance officially over. Ah, they're like good at this. Yeah. yeah. Um, in round 12... 
interesting one. Um, the game looked disastrous for the Saints as the Hawks held a 45-point lead early in the third, and things looked worse when the diminutive Paul Callery lay motionless on the wing. The crowd hushed and the trainers administered some oxygen. The players all thought that Don Scott had whacked him and Big Carl was revving up his team, keen on revenge. Uh, once the play restarted, Mick Malthouse, actually St Kilda's Mick Malthouse, triggered an avalanche of six goals in 12 minutes. Uh, Robbie Muir was fantastic in the second half, taking two amazing marks and kicking two goals. And the Saints actually ran out 25-point winners. After the game, it was revealed that it was actually fellow Saint Gary Colling who had accidentally clashed with Calorie and knocked him out. But the situation was so serious that um, his heart briefly stopped as he was trampled and choked under his own vomit as a pack formed around him to kind of remonstrate. Oh, wow. So he's actually in real danger. Um, he was taken off on a stretcher and the crowd were kind of all hushed when that yeah. was happening. Um, he would only miss the next four games. Jeez, that's huge. Yeah, interesting story. Um, so that's a 70-point turnaround, sorry. Yeah, so they were down by 45 Four. and won by 25. Huge. Yeah. Sometimes those little things can kickstart, you know, take the wind out of the Hawks and, yeah, and, yeah. and gave Saints that, ex- in, that inspiration. Yeah. Um, but look, at a very St Kilda thing. Any win they seem to have seem to always be upset by inconsistent performances. Yeah. They beat the Pies again in round 16. This time, I mean, we could call this game Rex Hunt's game. He finished with 28 kicks... So 28 disposals, 21 marks, two goals, three. Yeah. Gary Loft's also big for them with five goals, two. The Saints wouldn't beat the Pies again at Victoria Park until 1993, which was that very famous Nicky Winmar game. Yeah, oh. Yeah. Round 17, the Saints got a much-needed win over the Dogs, propelling them into the top five for the first time in the season. Paul Callery back in the side, goal at the 24-minute mark to give them a bit of a buffer and an eventual 14-point win. Um... In round 18, they took on the Bombers and they played a tactic of having two relay rovers kind of swapping on the ball all day, which caused issues for the Bombers' defence, who didn't know how to pick them up. Saints won by 38 and consolidated their spot in the five. However, they would lose their last four games to fall away from finals contention. Following their massive capitulation in round 19 to Carlton, coach Alan Jeans announced he'd be quitting at year's end, saying, a coach gets tired of it, it's very demanding. Same things we're hearing now. Yeah. Following round 21, the Saints appointed former Tiger Mike Patterson as coach. But Patterson was still actually coaching North Adelaide at this stage of the season and they were in finals contention, so he had to pull out. Yeah. Uh, in his place, uh, former St Kilda captain Ross Smith was appointed coach for the following season. Nice. And in the final round, the Saints just couldn't get the job done to send Alan Jeans off on a positive note, going down to the Tigers by 34 points. Oh, well, Jeans, he doesn't need to worry. His legacy is absolutely solid. Oh, the first one, the first and only coach to win a... Flag at St Kilda, yeah, I mean, you're da- yeah, you're fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, a bit of a bit of a end of an era. Yeah. Well, we they the the media had already put them in the ground last year, hadn't they? Yeah. But um, yeah, it's definitely the end now, isn't it? Yeah. Well, once Jeans is gone, yeah, I mean, yeah, none exactly. Of those players are really there? No, apart from Diderich, right? But he's not. But the he didn't same. even play in the '66 grand final. He was suspended. Oh, that's injured. right. Yeah. Yes, suspended. Oh. Yeah. Forgot about that. So our lead goal kicker down at the Saints this year was George Young, even though he did only manage those 15 games, uh, which is pretty impressive. Um, and the Trevor Barker medal in 1976 went to the man himself, Trevor Barker. Trevor Barker. Is that the first time he's won it? It is the first time he's won it. There we go. Yeah. Uh, so that takes us up to the next spot on the ladder, which is South Melbourne with, again, nine wins and 13 losses and a percentage of 94 so, Jimmy, a couple more goals, and Essendon could have been eighth rather than tenth. Yeah, that's it, exactly. Uh, so, coached by uh, the 
former Brownlow medalist Ian Stewart, and captain by Peter Bedford. Yeah. All right, so some debutantes. We've got uh, actor Chris Elliott, star of Shit's Creek. Oh, yeah, good. Yeah, he decided to have a play for South Melbourne. Why before. not? Uh, we've got uh, John Rantel, who comes back from North Melbourne after winning the flag. I really like that he actually came back. He's, he's gone off, he's won his flag. He's yeah. like, no, I'm going to go back to where I should have been. I belong at South Melbourne. I, I, I quite admire that. And a big name for the Bombers, but playing for South at the moment, we've got TD Terry Danaher. Yes. So uh, Terry was born the first child of Jim Danaher and Edna Danaher in 1957 from, uh, is it Ungari? Ungari. Yeah. yeah, I think so. It was during his childhood that Terry showed his love for sport, namely a Australian rules football. Uh, playing in the Northern Riverina Football League on Saturdays, Terry won several best and fairest before playing with Araya Park Marul in the Southwest District Football League for the 1975 season. And during that season, he was approached by South Melbourne to play for them. There you and go. what a legacy that has created for Absolutely. the entire VFL. Mm, still going. Yeah. Um, they also lured over Barry Round from the Dogs. So big, big, oh, yeah. big recruit there. Um, pre-season, it was likely that their coach, Graham John, would quit as coach due to his business career. Um, and when he finally did, the club nominated Ian Stewart as his successor. But where, had Ian, where was Ian Stewart tied? Uh, where was Richmond. he? He was at Richmond. And do you think Richmond would just let him walk over to South Melbourne? Well, they, they're so easy going over at the Tigers. Of course they would. Yeah, but... With South Melbourne, who didn't want to give them John Petura? No matter who it was, Richmond wouldn't, wasn't going to give him up, let alone South Melbourne. Yeah, yeah. so they, they uh, demanded the transfer fee, still angry at the Petura affair. Yeah. But um, he was able, Stuart was able to get his clearance to this one. I mean, he wasn't playing, so there was no... I don't think there was a big issue there. No, it's, it's hard to compare those two mm. situations. Um, yeah. Interestingly enough, one of his first acts was that to actually dump Ruckman Brian Roberts from the team, who wasn't pulling his weight, but they'd been teammates at Richmond before this. Ooh. It's really interesting there. Yeah. Um, there were also whispers throughout the year that the Swans would look to shift grounds, possibly to Junction Oval, but nothing eventuated. Um, the opening match saw South Melbourne and Geelong play at Lakeside Oval, and the Swans lost by four, but they set the new record for the highest losing score, 23 goals, 15, 153, beating Melbourne's previous record. Um, yeah. Former Pie Robert Dean kicked eight goals, four in his first game for the Swans. Uh, around this time, the Swans acquired Barry Goodingham from North Melbourne, just in time for their round two game with the Pies. And the 1975 Wooden Spooners, South Melbourne, took it right up to the Pies at Victoria Park, no less. The Pies led by four goals at half time, but the Swans hit back with 11 goals to four after the main break to win by 11. Robert Dean was six against his old side. Then round four was a huge win over the Bombers. The Swans with a big score again, 22 goals, 11, 143, seeing them win by 34. Goss and Gull with four each. However, the win came at a price with Graham Teasdale reported for allegedly kneeing bomber Ronnie Andrews and he was suspended for two matches. So a bit of a, you know, probably explains why that they had that big fight in round 14. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Round five, after a one-point loss to the Blues, coach Ian Stewart fumed and told reporters the umpires kept the Blues in the game. Oh. He was warned of being fined, so he hit back with, don't tell me I'll get fined for telling the truth, it's not Russia. But guess what, Charlie? He got fined. He got fined. He's Russia. 200 bucks. Uh, round nine, the Swans took quite a lot of satisfaction out of beating Richmond at Lakeside Oval. The eight-point win was especially good when it was found out that club leaders Ricky Quaid, Ian Thompson and Dean Robert Dean were all suffering from the flu. They won at Moorabbin for the first time. No, sorry. They won at Moorabbin in round 10 against the Saints. And what was an interesting match, so goal 13 for the match was kicked by the Saints number 13, 
which meant that 13 different players had kicked all the goals. Wow. Yeah. The other anomaly is the Saints kicked nine goals, five against the wind and three goals, 22 with it. And the final highlight of the match was Peter Bedford's no-look over-the-head goal at the end of the, th- the first quarter. Swans won by 25. Nice. So some nice little tidbits there. Uh, round 13, the Swans bounced back from 104-point shellacking to the Cats to heap some pain on the pies at Waverley. Their 39-point win was their biggest of the season thus far. Uh, and round 15, ex-Bulldog Barry Round was excellent against his old team, helping the Swans win by 20. In round 17, South's... Colin Hounsell was the centre of a transfer wrangle between the Magpies and South, but found himself staying at Lakeside Oval. Uh, Against Melbourne, coach Ian Stewart moved him from the rover to the wing in the third, with the Swans trailing, and he turned the game with eight kicks in the third quarter and a pair of goals in the last that gave them a 14-point victory. Round 18, the Swans jumped Fitzroy early and got out to a 28-point lead at quarter time, but then relaxed and allowed the Lions back into it. Thanks to Stuart Gull's kicking and the unbelievable ruck work of Ricky Quaid, who was best on ground with 34 disposals, they helped the Swans win by 27. The media said of Quaid, if ever a man was entitled to sit back and pull quietly on a cigar as a reward for a hard day's work well done, it was Ricky Quaid. And that is just what he did that night at Lakeside Oval. Great. The Swans had their last win of the year when they defeated a disappointing Saints at Lakeside Oval in round 21. Quaid round and Goss best for the much improved Swannies who won by 42. Um, but overall, Swannies having won the spoon last year yep. are much improved. Much improved, absolutely. Uh, so Robert Dean, their lead goal kicker with 37. Good pick up. Yeah, absolutely. And the Bobby Skill medal went to Rick Quaid. Yep. No surprises there. Yep. Surely puffing on another cigar after finding out he got one that one. <laughs> Fantastic. So that moves us up to seventh spot where we have those tigers. The perennial, perennial enemies would have been happier. Happy to be uh, above south there. Yeah, well, this is the first time since the 1970 that They're slowly falling away. So 10 wins, 12 losses, uh, and 98.6%. Coached by Tommy Hay. And two big names, Jeff Rains and Jim Jess. Yes, so Jeff Rains was an audaciously talented and tremendously damaging centerman. Uh, he hailed from Swan Hill and after joining Richmond in 1976, rapidly developed into one of the most outstanding footballers of his era. He played on the wing and in the centre. He was a magnificent long kick, particularly on the run, a great high mark, and possessed the balance of a cat. There you go. He had the uncanny ability to keep his feet after landing from a marking contest, and which is great, but often makes the mark not look as spectacular. That's yeah, true. Yeah. He becomes quite the journeyman in the 80s as well. Yeah. The other clubs he goes to. Yeah. And then Jim Jess also, and a bullion, larger-than-life character who played football with verve, persistence, and no small amount of devil. Jim Jess was a firm favourite among Richmond fans throughout a 223-game VFL career that ran from this year to 1988. Known as the Ghost, he excelled in both defensive and attacking key positions, often during the course of the same game. It's a ripper of a nickname as well. Ghost, I know. That's, yeah, it's terrifying. Yeah. All right, six days before the season started, the club called Royce Hart in to tell him that he would no longer be the captain. He was going to be replaced by Francis Burke. Mm Mm-hmm. Hart had been led to believe that if he took part in the preseason games, he'd probably have the role again. So he played, but he was still replaced. And he immediately went public, claiming to have lost football's top honour, calling it a desperate attempt to give the club a jolt to keep them at the top. 
KB was also quite annoyed because he wasn't given the captaincy. For some reason, he was actually dumped as vice captain. That was That's really that good. job went to Neil Baum. Yeah. Mm. Um, in the opening match, the Tigers and the Lions played a hard-fought game at the G. The Lions led by four points at half time, but thanks to seven goals, four in the third, uh, the first two from Alan Edwards, uh, Burke and Hart worked hard, and Dick Clay was shifted to the wing in what was a 19-point win in the end. Round two, there was a disastrous loss to the Cats. They went down by 48 points and suffered a rash of injuries to the likes of Monteith with a torn thigh muscle. Wood sprained his ankle, Petura broke his nose, Burke gashed eye, coming bruised hip. So, yeah. In the uh, wars. In the wars. In round three, Easter Monday against the Roos at the G, the Tigers were able to bounce back from their big loss to the Cats by withstanding all the Roos could throw at them and winning by 19. KB, the man, main man here, 28 disposals and three goals, three. The Tigers then embarrassed the Bombers in round six, leading to the term the Gliders coming back for a little bit. Oh! Uh, the win was set up with six goals, six to one point in the second quarter. Sheedy, Clay and Balm, the better Tigers in this game. In round seven, they lost badly to the Blues in what ended up being Dick Clay's last game for the Tigers. In round eight, in wet conditions, the Tigers dominated the Ds and should have won by more, the final margin, 26. During round 10, in the loss to the Hawks, Tommy Hafey clashed with umpire Della and was reported for umpire abuse, saying something like, why don't you give us a go, you bastard, Della? <laughs> he pleaded guilty, received a $150 fine. They're like thousands of dollars now when you do that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like 10,000. I'm just wondering inflation. whether... whether what, what inflation... Yeah, exactly. I don't think inflation's keeping up with that, but no. still, yeah. Mm. Round 13, after four straight losses, the Tigers took on Geelong at the MCG and ran their legs off, hand-passing as if their lives depended on it and heaping the pressure on their opponents all day. One of the keys was the way the Tigers' defenders bottled up the Cats' forward line, allowing the big cat... Uh, Donahue to kick only four. Petruria was also good. Tigers won by four points. In round 14, Richmond toyed with the Magpies at the MCG, holding them to two first-half goals while bolting to a 31-point lead. However, in the third quarter, they kicked eight goals, five to one behind. Led by Lamb with eight goals and 30 disposals, the Tigers humiliated the Pies by 95 points. In round 17, they easily accounted for the Bombers at Windy Hill. Round 20, Kevin Sheedy was the difference between them and the Swans. In round 21, the Hawks were on top early in a desperate fight with the Tigers, leading by 13 at halftime, but the Tigers rammed home 11 goals to three after halftime to embarrass the top team. KB at his best here, 31 disposals, two goals, two, even one hand pass thrown in there for fun. Round 22, the Tigers finished their season well with a win over the Saints at Waverley by 34. The Ghost, Jim Jess, was one of the best for the Tigers. KB chipped in with 31 disposals and Royce Hart wound the clock back to kick five. Now, Charlie, following the season, yep. the committee took a vote on whether they should reappoint Tommy Hafey. The vote was eight to two, that we should appoint him. So a few days later, he was reappointed. However, when he heard about the vote, he called Ian Wilson and he resigned, saying that if he didn't have the full... Uh, unanimous support of the board. There was no point being there. And because Graham Richmond had voted against him, he was out. Really? So Tommy Hafey has left Richmond. So even though, I mean, eight to two is a pretty solid support. Yeah. And he's like, nah, if it's not 10, yep. I'm not interested. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, the, the what he's given to this club, the dedication and the success he's brought to the club. Yeah. That's what he wants. No, yeah, absolutely. No, and I suppose the amount of pressure they was on him and the constant speculation. Yeah, they've yeah they've gone about it a few times, right? Yeah. With him, like is he? Is well, he, he was almost put him under. Yeah, exactly. Sixty nine, and they went and won the flag. Yeah, they put him under a fair bit of pressure. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah, mad. Leave. 
But TV, I was just looking looking that inflation rate up. So <laughs> a hundred and fifty dollar fine in nineteen seventy six is about the equivalent of a thousand dollars today. Okay. So there you go. But the wage the players are on or the coaches are on is well, much and higher. also I mean the fines now are about ten thousand yeah, dollars, right. right? So yeah. So it probably equates it's, for their wages. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so our lead goal kicker down at the Tigers this year was Robert Lamb with thirty eight, Royce Hart <coughs> second with thirty one. Yeah. So he's not done. Nope. That's for sure. And the Jack Dyer medal in 1976 went to Kevin Sheedy. Sweet. Mm. So that takes us up to six spots, just missing finals, are the Mighty Demons. With 11 wins and 11 losses and a percentage of 99.4. Let's do this, Charlie. Some debutants include Maurice Wingate, Barry Tiffin, Chris Woodman, and we know we've got the label. Yes. Imagine who they were. That was Alan Davis and Shane Gannon. Oh, a bit yep. of money. Round one, the D's embarrassed the new premiers, North Melbourne, as at, on their big day as Gary Hardiman dominated the centre-half back and was named best on ground with 24 touches, while Ray Biffin didn't have a goal kicked on him all day. Nice. So, curse of the uh, president's wife. Yeah, he's yeah. coming back. Round three, the D's travelled to Windy Hill in round three and it didn't start well. As during the first quarter, Essendon were as much as five goals in front, but the D's hit back. Six goals in 13 minutes during the third. What are the difference? Ross Brewer kicked his four after being thrown to full forward, and Gary Hardiman moving to Ruck Rover from backline was a winner. Their first win at Windy Hill since 1971. Round five, they scraped over the line against the Lions. Coach Bobby Skilton saying, I'm just thankful for the four premiership points when we played as disgracefully as that. Mm. He said, we did stupid things which helped lift Fitzroy. But a win's a win. In round six, taking on the Swans, the Demons deservedly led for most of the game, but the Swans, with help from some umpiring decisions which went against the Ds, allowed the Swans back into the match, where they hit the front briefly in the third term. But the game-turner was Peter Keyes, who was introduced from the bench in the last term and curbed the influence of Swans forward Terry O'Neill, who had thrashed Gary Hardiman in the first three terms. The Ds ran out 28-point winners. Round nine against the Saints at the G, Melbourne's backline were dominant and with powerful running football from the midfielders, delivered multiple chances for full forward, turn forward, full, sorry, full back, turn forward, Ray Biffin, who kicked three. Greg Wells was wasteful, kicked zero goals, five, but the D's won by 54 points. Mid-season. Okay, this is an interesting story because this is from Stan Elves' book. Yep. Stan Elves, who is captain. Yes. Um, okay, so mid-season, some players approached Stan Elves concerned that Bob Skilton was playing favourites and wanted to air some grievances. They, um, yeah, obviously playing favourites like some coaches do. Yeah. Upon some advice, Elves held a players-only meeting to kind of air these and just get these out of the way and address them, which was fine. But then Skilton found out about this and absolutely went say. off his tree at Stan Elves. And Stan Elves like, no, 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 this guy told me to. And I think it was a committeeman. And then when they asked the committeeman again, he's like, no, I didn't tell him that. Oh, he threw him under the bus. Pretty much. And so from this point on, Stan Elves and Bob Skilton's relationship was damaged. Round 13, the Demons dominated the Dogs with the wind in the second quarter and racked up a remarkable 5-13 to one behind. When Footscray had their chance with the strong wind, um, they only managed three goals, leaving the Ds free reign to run right in the last and take the match comfortably by 52. Ray Biffin again full forward with the Ds, had the wind, and then defender when they were against it. Uh, with this win, Ray Smith of the Demons becomes the first Queensland player to play 100 games in the VFL. Play, VFL. Nice. So Queensland born, I believe. Okay. It's on the, uh, Probably still the only one. 
<laughs> no, surely not. <laughs> the MCG in round 16 against Fitzroy, the match was no classic with the first half in particular, a litany of errors. But the D's got the result they wanted. Roy's forward, Max George, kicked two six and four out in the full. Mm. Greg Wells played a great game with 31 disposals, eight marks and six handballs, despite being battered with three big hits in the third quarter. In round 19, former Tiger Craig McKellar monstered his old side in the ruck all day, and fellow Richmond reject Laurie Fowler was dominant. Ray Biffin kicked three goals in the second quarter, and the D's teamwork helped them cut a disappointing Richmond to shreds by five goals. In round 20, it looked like an unlikely result in the first quarter when Melbourne kicked with a breeze, but managed only one goal, eight. They trailed by three, but they kept in touch through an eight-goal blitz in 20 minutes. Against St Kilda in round 20, it looked like an unlikely result to the Saints as Melbourne kicked atrociously with the Breeze, kicking one goal eight in that opening quarter. They trailed by only three goals, but they kept in the match um, and an eight-goal blitz in 20 minutes of the third quarter put them in the driver's seat and they went on to win by 37 points. Easy. Nice. No worries. Uh, The next week, they burst out of the blocks against the Cats and were greeted with a standing ovation by the members when they went in at the quarter-time break. 46 points up. The game was a high-scoring shootout. 46 points up at quarter time. Yeah. Huge. Did you give them a standing ovation? 100%. I do anyway. Yeah. The D's kicked 22 goals, 18 for the match, winning by 45 at Robbie Flower, best on ground. Um, the final round and riding three straight wins meant that all the Demons needed to do was win against the very disappointing Magpies and minor premiers Carlton had to beat Footscray and they'd be in the finals. Mm-hmm. Um, any other result at Princess Park would tip them out. They led by six goals at three-quarter time and were cruising for a win when the last few minutes, when within the last few minutes, word came through that Footscray had somehow Manage. contrived to draw with Carlton at Princess Park and the Demons, who'd won by 15 points against Collingwood, were out of the finals. Bob Skilton held back tears as some of his players showed less composure and wept openly or threw their gear on the floor of the changing room. As these should have been in the final, but, I mean, freak well, result between Footscray and Carlton. Yep. But if you're relying on someone else to lose, it's not your your spot, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, you should have sewn it up earlier. Exactly. Um, postscript to this as well. Postseason, Stan Elves came in for his uh, like review mm-hmm. uh, and was told his services were no longer needed at the club. At the club, they not were, just as captain. No, nope, they were sacking him. He couldn't believe it. Never before had a captain been dumped so unceremoniously. That is mental. We'll see how that plays out next season. Oh, anyway, um, so lead goal kicker that that move from full, full back to forward the forward line's really done wonders for Ray Biffin. Forty-seven goals nice. for the great man, and the Keith Bluey Truscott Award in 1976 it went to Greg Wells for the second time. Laurie Fowler, uh, runner-up. There. There you go. Mm. Isn't that the case though? Um, like full backs often make really good forwards. I yeah. Dustin Fletcher was the same. Stephen Silvani was the same. You could always throw them forward and they'd, they'd give you something. Yeah, well, I guess, like, they know how to get in the mind of the guy they're playing on, right? Yeah. Like, they kind of yeah. know what they're going to do. So, yeah, it's, it makes a lot of sense. It's good. Now, Charlie, before we finish up, we have the Wills Cup to talk about. We do about. have the Wills Cup. So, the night premiership, but it's an it's it's not the way we... It's not the night premiership we know and, and have loved. No, so this is not run by the uh, VFL. This is run by the uh, NFC. Yes, the National Football League, formerly the ANFC. Yes, the ANFC. So the well, they've got it here, the NFL, which just feels oh, NFL, weird, yeah. right? Uh, yeah, but the National Football League. So it's it's it incorporates VFL teams, Sandful teams, and Waffle teams. Yeah, uh, which is interesting. So it's sort of a round robin event. 
um, well, with different groups, I should say. Yep. And then those the winners of those groups go into the semis and the and and then the grand final. So I won't run you through all the results. Well, tell us which teams were involved. So I would love to tell you. So in Group A, we had. In every in Group A, we've got Glenelg from the Sandful, Richmond from the VFL, and Swan Districts from the WANFL. Uh, group B, we had North Melbourne and Footscray from the VFL, and Port Adelaide from the Sandful. Yep. Group C, we've got Hawthorne from the VFL, Sturt from the Sandful, and West Perth. Group D was Norwood from Sandful, Carlton from VFL, and South Frio from the WANFL. Uh, so. The way those games uh, went was that uh, in Group A, Glenelg took the Chockeys with two wins. It's interesting to see that because they're both the Tigers and both wear the same jumper. So Richmond, oh, yeah. Richmond wear a like a clash ship, which is like yellow and red stripes. It's really odd. Oh, okay. Yeah, if you very go, interesting. If you go to events. Yeah. So yeah, so Glenelg took that one out, winning two games. Richmond winning one, Swan Districts winning neither. Uh, so they go through. In Group B, we had North Melbourne um, winning that one, Port Adelaide winning one game, Footscray winning neither. Group C, Hawthorne won both games, Sturt won one, West Perth lost both. Uh, and in Nor- in the Group D, we had Norwood taking out two wins, Carlton taking one, and South Frio not winning at all. So those... Top teams that I mentioned, Glenelg, Hawthorne, North Melbourne and Norwood going through. Interesting that it's just Sandful and VFL, no mm. waffle, no waffle mm. teams coming through. And also that Carlton didn't get through in there. So the semi-finals, the first one was Glenelg versus Hawthorne. Uh, very close to start the game. Um, and then Hawthorne sort of started to get away from them. It ended up running out winners. Uh, 11 16 82 to Glenelg's 8 8 56. We should also say, Charlie, these games were played between May and August. So they played across four months. Oh, okay. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, played against uh, across four months. And the- like during the week. So they weren't really played on weekends. They were played Mondays and Tuesdays. Mm. And these games, the semi finals and the grand final, were played in Adelaide at Norwood Oval. Yep. Uh, so then the second one was um, the second semi-final was North Melbourne versus Norwood. Uh, North Melbourne came out very strong, uh, kicking five goals to one in the first quarter, and then just kept that lead up, winning eight five fifty three to five five thirty five. So the grand final of the National Football League <laughs> competition was Hawthorne versus North Melbourne. Oh, a replay of the seventy five VFL grand yeah. final. Yeah, uh, and. Hawthorne managed to get the wood back yeah. on them. So R- R- Hawthorne running out pretty convincing winners, 12-17-89 to North Melbourne's 5-11-41 in front of a pretty mediocre 7,300 people. Mm. Uh, so there we go. There's the, the Tom Wills Cup. It was kind of planned as well as a forerunner to a full-scale national competition. This mm-hmm. was like the first steps towards that. Yep. They've tried, you know, they keep on trying to do this mm. we've, we've yeah that state of origin kind of disappeared well state of origin it kind of changes in the next few years yeah but it's definitely on the back burners now isn't it like yeah. it's not as important as it once was no and a national competition is definitely being like thought about like, yeah the, the national scale rather than the state scale 
Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Sorry. I'm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So there we go. So there's our non-finalists, Timmy. Indeed, and there's lots to talk about uh, next week with our finalists. Oh, isn't there just? Uh, lots of stuff we haven't got to. Uh, but it's been good to see Collingwood down the bottom and enjoy yeah, that. Yeah, delightful. Bit, yeah. bit disappointing, bit bittersweet to see Melbourne just miss out on finals there yeah. as well. Yes. But anyway, what can you do? Mm. So, well, I guess until next week, uh, we're looking forward to talking, talking 76 finals with you all. Hooray. To find out more about the Kick to Kick team and the sources we use, visit our website, www.kicktokickpodcast.com. You can contact us via email at kicktokickpodcast at gmail.com or find us on Twitter and Instagram under at kicktokickpod. Thanks so much for listening.